0: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marit Larwood.
1: Hello, listeners. Welcome to October.
0: Welcome to October. Um, how are you finding it so far?
1: Uh, it's noticeably colder.
0: Yes, I've turned my heating on for the first time. Yeah, this, I did as well year. the other
1: night. I, I went for my first holiday in four years to America and it was nice the weather was nice and I came back and I noticed a chill yeah Um, did you have a nice time in America did you see any uh, movie stars any celebrities no Uh it was quite tiring because I was in there for eight days and I had to travel around a lot I made some videos about it on my YouTube channel because I worked out I could afford a holiday if all the costs became tax deductible when I made video. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. All you have to do is earn a single pence from uh, YouTube advertising and that's now legitimate. Isn't yeah. It?
1: Um, so, yes. I, I, so, I watched some things on the plane, but I might talk about that next week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. We'll talk about that next week. Cause if I'm, you're sure? Yeah. I mean, you've brought it up now. Well, because I've just been to the cinema, so I'll talk about that this... I'll talk about... Okay, fine. I'll talk about that We first, can talk, talk about, my we head can talk head about
0: playing films next, next yeah. time.
1: Um, Alright, so what have you been to see? I went to see *Swiss Army Man. Well, we film... talked
0: about this the, um, in the previous episode. I, I uh, thought it looked really interesting at the very least. Someone list. recommended it to us. That's right. It's Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe, but Daniel Radcliffe seems to play a corpse. Yes. That Paul Dano is presumably imagining is talking to him or doing stuff.
1: Uh, what, is that, what is the premise? Right, well, so it is the story of a uh, Paul Dano's on this uh, what seems to be a, a, an island, lost, stranded yeah. on the beach, uh, looking dishevelled, etc. He's about to kill himself when someone washes up on shore. And he finds out that it's, it's Daniel Radcliffe playing himself. It's the it's the act, it's Harry
0: Potter's corpse. Is that what? It,
1: no, it's just that it's just a, it's a normal man. Okay, and he is intent on killing himself. But Daniel Radcliffe, the gas expelling from Daniel Radcliffe's body makes it impossible for him to hang himself. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil any of the jokes because it's it's quite a lot of farting jokes. But they don't really seem People have picked up on the fact that and been negative about that, but I don't think. I think it's quite a new way of doing is it, it of a, jokes.
0: Is it a fart if it's gas being released from a corpse? I mean, it feels not, a bit different. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it it sounds like a sort of parody of Castaway, but instead of a beach, instead of a volleyball, it's a, a corpse of a man.
1: It does feel a bit like Castaway, right? Um, and he does give this uh, corpse personality. Danny Radcliffe slowly, slowly starts. Speaking, but you, so when you're where it's Paul Dano maybe going... Yeah, insane. ...mad. Man. Yeah. And there's lots of weird things that happen. I thought this film was great. I bang on about how you need different films in the cinema, and when one comes around, that's completely unique. Yeah. And people... I listened to Mark Comeau talk about it, and he was just saying, essentially, it's this, and it's just really weird and wacky. I mean, Well, it's quite weird, but what, anything that's not really boring... Yeah. ...is just put into that weird... Category. I thought it was really inventive. Paul Dano is a brilliant and uh, one of the great actors of the uh, new actors of the genera- of generation. He's great. In every- he's great in everything.
0: If you don't know Paul Dano, he came to people's attention through There Will Be Blood. Basically, um, and he was in, in Little Miss Sunshine. That was Festival, right, Little yeah, Miss yeah. Sunshine as well. Uh, but he played the preacher in There Will Be Blood and the slightly weird uh, son. In Little Miss Sunshine as well. Yeah,
1: he? he's in youth, he's in uh, prisoners. Prisoners, he's in yeah. Um, <coughs> he's always brilliant. He plays weirdos, so he looks a bit unconventional.
0: Well, he seems on the verge of tears nearly all the time, I think. He's got this sort of real vulnerability to him, hasn't he?
1: Well, he can play sort of nasty as well. Yeah, he can yeah. play um, a real mix of characters. And Danny Radcliffe is. How is he? Because. He's an odd one. I fa- because I'm not a fan of
0: him at all, normally. I mean, I'm not normally either. I did quite enjoy him in the film version of Woman in Black, but mostly because he doesn't talk. He's, he's just, just too, reacting.
1: He's just too young for that. It's really yeah, weird he is. As watching... soon
0: as he starts talking about his parental feelings towards his child, you just don't believe it anymore. He's got, well, I think he's got quite a weak voice. That's it. That
1: is exactly it. But he's actually quite a good actor.
0: Yeah. I just think he's got a weak voice. It's the
1: same with, what's his name, um... The really good looking guy in Tantum, Mr. Ripley, he's getting old now. Jude Law. Jude Law. Mm. Also, great looks, really weak voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, this is the And Joe Pasquale, the same. He's a
0: really rugged, handsome, good actor. That's
1: the famous trio. Yeah. Jude Law,
0: Daniel Radcliffe, and Joe Pasquale. Yeah. Someone should put them in something together called Weak Voice. Just in a mime, (laughs)
1: yeah. Silent film. Well, this is a perfect part of Daniel Radcliffe, he doesn't have to speak. Oh, yeah. At all, um, I don't want to spoil it, but it's just it's. Sort of, you are thinking the whole time how much of it is because you think Paul Danner's gone mad. Yeah, there are ex- some extraordinary <laughs> scenes. I should just say one at the start, should I? Do it?
0: Well, I don't know if it's in the trailer. I think it's probably fair game. It's is it the famous. one? Is it the one where he uh, makes him? deep throat a crutch to use as a grappling hook
1: no Daniel Rackett sort of becomes this weird sort of Swiss Army knife type yeah 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 with these odd superpowers which are hilarious okay Um, I think you'd love it I really loved it how many marics? I'd give it 8 because I think it's falters slightly towards the end it sort of has to explain itself and becomes a bit more conventional okay I thought the ending was a bit disappointing but because it almost doesn't matter what the ending is.
0: Yeah. It's the... It feels like... The journey. It feels as
1: if, as if, that, it, feels as if it, it sort of explained itself too well in the ending. Right. If it was a French film, they just go, I oh, don't give a shit, we'll just go up and do whatever we want with it, you know. Or if it was a Gilliam, the
0: sort of the descent into madness becomes just like... It just gets bigger towards the end. Yeah. And, and it feels...
1: That, I mean, you'd think... With Castaway, I think it's basically a FedEx advert which really struggles after a while and it's really mawkish and boring. Yeah, This does pace itself just just enough could have shaved ten minutes off it ok but um, write in let me know what you think of Swiss Iron Man because I think I've seen two star reviews I've seen five star reviews it's one of those people, ones that people hate because different it's weird but this is exactly the thing I was really pleased to see this in the cinema but there were only three people in yeah. in the cinema when I see it
0: dark, dark things like Gruesome things or things that seem flippant with death seem to do, they do put people's backs up sometimes and people go, oh, that's that's inappropriate or whatever. I remember with Terry Gilliam's Tideland that I thought was actually quite good. Yeah. um, And it's about a child's innocence at death, but she spends most of the film with the corpse of Jeff Bridges um, in a similar way, you know, but it's never gruesome in that sense. Well, this isn't gruesome either.
1: It's just, it's more ridiculous. I was worried it's going to be, sort of rotting jokes and quite sort yeah, of uh, yeah. there's no real sort of uh, or jokes about the body sort of uh, rotting away that's not it sort of stays the same you know yeah, yeah. you don't really get that apart from the flatulence yeah Um but I, I, I'm fascinated to find out how they got the money in the first place to it's directed and written by Dan Quan and Daniel shine it um,
0: what have they done before?
1: I'm just looking them up now. As usual, the preparation before talking is minimal. Um, it looks like they've just done uh, sh- a few sort of shorts and things.
0: Okay. Well, I suppose if you can get Paul Dano or Daniel Radcliffe interested, you get your money, don't you? Yeah,
1: they've done about five or six shorts and just a, a, a TV series here okay. and there. So. okay.
0: Oh, sounds like it's one worth checking out. If you're a bit bored by uh, Commonal Garden, definitely fodder. go and see it. Yeah.
1: Definitely go and see it because I think it's always good. There's nothing worse than coming to the cinema and having no response to something and feeling as if oh, I've just uh, I, I've just seen something that I've completely forgotten as soon as I've walked down the steps of the cinema. Yeah, you'll, you'll have some reaction to this, which is what the cinema is about, isn't it? It's all about that.
0: I think it's time for this. This is a letter from Tom Crowley and he says Hello David, Marek, Buddy, Chris Webb and Martin Appleyard If you love Bernard Breslaw so much, as I do, why don't you read this out as him? How would you do Bernard Breslau? Oh, I don't
1: mean you could do him justice, can you?
0: I've, no, I've never he thought of that He did the voice it.
1: of the Giddy Game Show, do you remember that?
0: No, what the hell's the Giddy the Game, Game Show? weird
1: cartoon series on ITV, probably 1984? Okay. let me know if you remember it <laughs>
0: Okay, um, I'm not going to attempt this Tom uh, I'm writing, writing to recommend Kubo and the Two Strings which is in cinemas at the moment we've talked about it last week it's another Laker offering, the studio that produced Coraline and the surprisingly excellent Paranorman amongst others, and notably features the largest stop motion model of all time a giant skeleton that in real life reached 16 feet in height whoa do you recall that skeleton? yes though? actual 16 foot puppet
1: couldn't tell in the film I thought it was 14
0: it's as visually gorgeous as you'd expect from the company and also manages to mash together all sorts of elements of classical and Japanese folklore to to create a truly mythic exciting whole I was in floods of tears from about 5 minutes in then was intermittently blubbing roughly every 10 minutes all the way through to the end of the film After watching Kubo, I realised that animation is a fundamental need of mine to feel completely happy and alive. The film made me suddenly realise that cartoons somehow seem to dodge genre restrictions and cut to the emotional quick more effectively than live-action films. I don't know if you've read Scott McLeod's Understanding Comics but in that he outlines a theory that humans relate more directly to cartoon images because the simple outlines of cartoon faces resemble the way in which we imagine our own facial expressions rather than the highly detailed pictures we have of other people. This theory would explain the power of cartoons to break our hearts with startling efficiency. There are the obvious Pixar examples up, Toy Story 3, Wall-E and others, but I'd like to give a particular mention to Brave. The final moment of redemption, which I won't spoil, makes me burst into floods of tears every time I see it. What are your key experiences of having your hearts broken by particularly observant and emotionally resonant animated films? And are they matched by similar moments in live-action films? I'd like to know. Keep watching the films, Tom. It's a good point because I I have certainly welled up watching cartoons and it seems to be rather easy to do. Um, his uh,
1: what cartoon? Uh, oh, his, Toy Story is quite emotional isn't it? the yeah, end bit of the yeah, Toy Story 3. Yeah, it's
0: never got me. Toy Story 3 is the one that feels the most cuz it feels actually like it's breaking its own genre and you feel unsafe so, suddenly the, I found the near the end. bit when air. they're in the uh, Yeah, yeah. The furnace. in the furnace. But um a Bug's Life did it for me it's always the the powerful uh, the speech at the end where he stands up even though he's having the shit kicked out of him and he, he speaks for all of his ant kind it's always just like
1: oh you tell him you tell him I don't really think that it's hard with uh, cartoons I suppose with animation I, 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 Cuban and two strings didn't make me I didn't feel that emotional about the second half of it really okay I was aware that I was supposed to, I think.
0: Okay, you felt your buttons were being pushed? Or...
1: A little bit. Um, I mean, Warship Down's very sad. I mean, you can't... The end of Warship Down mm. is it, with with uh, the... with the... Art Garfunkel's bright eyes... Well, the old the Disney... Background. The
0: old Disney um, killing off the parental figure in the first third is supposed to be for that, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Uh, Bambi's, Bambi's mother or... Um, or Lion King Lion King but, yeah. or then it's a non-Disney but The Land Before Time very sad at the beginning of The Land Before Time when Littlefoot's uh, mother also dies
1: Oh, I think I remember that yeah, yeah
0: yeah. it's sad it's very sad he's suddenly alone in a very big and scary world well aren't we all well we are that's the that's the learning curve isn't
1: it I guess. oh god yeah yeah um, have we answered his question and my uh,
0: and our parents aren't even well I can only speak for mine Merrick, but mine aren't uh, brontosauruses.
1: I don't think mine are. <laughs> okay. I'll have to check the family lineage. OK, to see if your parents are brontosaur or rye. I don't know if we answered that question. Shall I just move on to the next one. Yeah, I think we did.
0: Yeah, What? who else has written in?
1: This one is from Henry King. Hi, Marrick and David. My son has been off school with grim tonsillitis all week. And as such, we have been hitting the Netflix kids section hard. In amongst the usual fare, one movie would surprise me, Ants, the 1998 DreamWorks animation. I originally dismissed it out of hand as one of those weird cash-in movies released to rival Bug, the, Disney's Bug's Life. I wasn't expecting a Woody Allen movie full of uh, Marxist theory and political satire. It's chock full of stars. Woody Allen, Gene Hackman, Cycelo and Christopher Walken, then to name a few. I'd say only Sharon Stone is a as She sounds she's refused to do anything more than phone in one take. All in all, it held my mine and a sickly four-year-old's attention I was just hoping you'll pass off the scene where Ant Z is having a deep existential convocation with a dying severed head as a fevered dream any movies that totally caught you totally off guard after you pigeonholed them keep watching the films Henry
0: well there we go Bug's Life and Ants I think I, I preferred Ants to Bo- Bug's Life I didn't I, I thought Ants was a bit I don't know it didn't really do anything for me mm. um but uh, maybe you know it's maybe it's one of those things where you have to be in the right mood for things. You know, you can write off films when you just like you just weren't in the right space. Um, I've heard people say that it's very the script of ants is very good. Yeah, and odd for a kids film.
1: Yeah, it feels like a definitely more on the adult side of a kids film. Yeah, yeah. What films have caught me off guard? It's ones you've on...
0: written them off.
1: Things on. Um... Netflix, I sort of watched. I thought, I really, you know, when you've gone through Netflix, it's everything you know, and you think, oh, I've got to watch something shit now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go for a massive punt on something, and it's going to be uh, rubbish. I watched one, I thought this is going to be awful. It's called In Order of Disappearance. Yeah. It's a Stellan Skarsgård film. Oh, yeah. He's always a good. he's normally in a good films. Yes. So you think, oh, I've got I've got the... That's the only reason I thought I watched it. didn't you know any of the actors.
0: Although, no, he's done a lot of cock as well, Stellan Skarsgård.
1: This is just an act, a sort of um, Norwegian thriller, crime thriller. Okay. I don't really have to think.
0: Oh, if it's stuff where he's gone back to Scandinavia to yeah, do yeah. it, it probably means there's a good reason to. I really like, enjoyed he did it. the Clive Owen King Arthur, didn't he? And that was rubbish. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah.
1: This is a really good sort of... Um, Gangster film. There's a couple of people from Game of Thrones who appear in it. The guy oh, yeah. who um who I saw him first in this, uh, and he appears as I can't remember who, who is in. He's tormented. Uh, oh yeah, the guy with the beard. Yeah, he's yeah he's, the he's,
0: wildling sort of boss. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's excellent.
1: That really caught me off guard. I really enjoyed that. What's it called? To, in order of disappearance, in a Norwegian disappearance. sort of. It's not a brilliant, but it's about seven or eight out of ten.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I watched uh, in uh, in terms of ones that caught you off guard. Uh, I watched um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The m- is it Michael Bay one? The new one, the, just as a way of going. This is going to be total, total crap. Is it all right? It's fine. You know, okay. it is actually fine. They've got you've got some good characters in there, and some of the action stuff is really fun. It gets too sh- stupid. The first
1: one was, was shit, weren't they?
0: Uh, the very first one. I don't remember. I, what, as in the ones with animatronics and stuff? Yeah. I, rem- yeah. I, I mean, I haven't rewatched them as an adult, but I remember the first one really liking it. Ah, oh, okay. You know? But you uh, look
1: up and see how it's got on? Yeah, know it, it isn't a
0: good film, but it's, you know, it's if you like the turtles when you're a kid, then it's quite nice to see them again. Um, and it's got a criminally underused William Finkner in it, who's excellent.
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant uh, Have you been Ninja to the um, cinema then?
0: Well, um, yes. Uh, well, no, actually, no. I haven't been to the cinema because, as promised last week... I, uh, we got a letter in from comedian Michael Legg. Oh, yeah. And he was suggesting the 1981 film Raw, simply because he hasn't been able to actually sit through the whole thing because, it, <laughs> because it's quite so disturbing and strange. If you don't know about Raw, um, this is a film made by a guy called Noel Marshall, who is one of the producers on The Exorcist. And he wrote it and directed it and starred in it. And he was at the time married to Tippi Hendren, who is the actress from The Birds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his, uh, and her daughter, Melanie Griffiths, is in it. And their two sons as well. So it's a family piece where they all play a family in it. And this is about a guy who is doing research on big cats in Africa and has basically let them into his home. So there's a compound where he's got about 34 lions and tigers wow. and panthers and stuff. and But he's sort of got an open door policy with his own house as well, what, because he's a bit eccentric and mad, but believes that this is, in order to get them to trust him, there can't be any barriers. Anyway, the entire film, there's very little story, is um, his family who he hasn't seen in a while because he was going to set up this whole thing on his own first and they're now coming out to see him have arrived at the airport to come and meet him and because it's in Africa and the infrastructure is all a bit shit wires get crossed and so he's on his way to the airport as they're on their way to the house so they miss each other so they arrive at this house full of (laughs) fully grown lions when the guy who is knows what to do with them and how yeah. their behaviour isn't there. Now that sounds like a horror film, right?
1: Yeah, like a massive
0: load of deaths, yeah. It's not. This is not a horror film. This is a sort of uh heartwarming family movie. Um uh, about sort of a funny, sort of slapsticky consequences. Oh, That's what it the script is. Okay. Watching it, there is no way to get 34 lions to do what you want them to do. And so they the actors are mostly having to react to real life dangerous situations
1: oh, but in not the middle act of scared.
0: Not act scared. Not always, sometimes depending on the situation. But the shoot of this film is legendary. It it's technically it was released in 1981, but it took 7 years to finish because there were so... 70 uh, cast and crew members got injured during it, um, including uh, Melanie Griffiths got her... Fa- she was the, a little a teenager at the time. She got her face mauled and had to have reconstructive surgery, um, and it was possible they were going to have to lose an eye, but in the end that she didn't. The cinematographer, uh, who was Jan de Bont, who went on to direct speed... Um, was basically scalped by a lion and had to have an enormous number of stitches to put him down. And he came back to finish the job. Like, um, Noel Marshall himself got gangrene from being bitten so much from wounds reopening and not healing properly. And the stuff in the actual film where he's jokerly playing with the lions and gets a tooth through his hand and just blood comes and he tries to shake it off like it's no big deal. This film is absolutely fascinating because. It's good. Is it, did you enjoy watching it? I did because it, it's not a film about what it is trying to be about. Yeah. And so, as almost a postmodern film, it is absolutely fascinating because it, it's supposed to be a sort of heartwarming comedy. And it's a film about the lunacy of one man, basically, who's cast his own children in this film. Where, and put them in mortal peril. I mean, it's incredible nobody was killed. And so, whilst you're watching them try to get through a film, you are terrified for everyone in its safety. Continually, I, we in a in an era when we have become so sort of desensitised to violence and buildings falling down and all sorts of stuff in films because we go. Seen it, you know, or yeah. not real or whatever. Just having these wild animals next to real people is it's the tensest I've been watching a film in recent years. How, how do you find it, is it on YouTube? I found it on YouTube, and I have to admit, I don't know if that's a legal copy or not. Certainly, there are a huge number of versions on YouTube. There is a company as well that uh, might be worth talking about um, who are re-releasing it called Drafthouse Films. And they are just curated films. They find films that they think are worth promoting and getting more people to watch them um, and release them. uh, And they have a list on their website, which is drafthousefilms.com. And they've done... uh, uh, the Act of Killing and uh, right. A Field in England and all sorts of things old and new. And it's just an interesting list of films if you if you want something that's a bit different to go and look at. But Raw is one that they've re-released. But it is... It's so weird. What comes across... Because, of course, none of the animals are lying. They're not acting. They're just being... Animals, and so there's incredible footage you will not have seen anywhere else, and never will again, because it's far too dangerous to do this. Um, But what comes across is actually this is a film about the lunacy of monkeys, and by monkeys I mean human beings. You know, just what they, what are they doing? You know, with these other creatures that are just behaving exactly as animals. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating watch, but it's not a comfortable one it's very very odd and certainly the animals should never have been put in these positions in the first place the family the children certainly should never the guy should never have put himself in this uh tippy hendron divorced him um within months of the film finally being released wow and uh with the re-release none of the family are part of the promotion of it they've not none have done interviews or anything
1: Makes my childhood seem quite good actually, yeah. Now, in retrospect,
0: What well, and it's also actually for all it's set in Africa. This film was exclusively shot in California, and he got all of the lions and things from zoos locals, that didn't want local, lo- local people who had them because in California people have pet lions
1: and That's tigers. What people and did in, in the 70s, In Harrods they used to have like, at the top of Harrods, they used to have um, my dad said in the 70s they had loads of like, yeah. zo- creatures from the zoo up there
0: yeah it's so weird but it, it's very much um, a portrait of an American psyche at the time very Californian one as well but just this idea of like oh lions you know once you respect them they're your best friend you just like no they're really not yes respect them yes they can be nice but Christ this is this is insane
1: um, the moral of the story is a lion can never be your friend or lover. Or lover. I mean, the,
0: even if, you, no matter how fluffy a thing, it doesn't mean it's your friend. You know? And and we should take note on that. Yeah. But, but it's fascinating. I mean, the, there's a documentary as well as a book, I think, about the making of this film as well because partway into filming, there was a flood and they lost the entire house and a lot of the animals. Like, one of their lead actor Lions was killed in the oh, flood wow. as well, yeah. And they had to go back and find more money into it. Wow. But it's
1: but worth it, watching it, on YouTube.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's fascinating, but not comfortable at all because of the treatment of all the people and creatures involved. Yeah. You know. But no animal actually gets hurt. That's the incredible thing as well. Not the one that died. Uh well not on screen is what I'm saying. Oh fine. Uh, <laughs> but also that wasn't them going yeah try try dropping the try dropping the lion off the roof see what, see if we can get the shot. They did not do really. any of that. The lions are gen- genuinely in charge, <laughs> and it's the poor people who have no choice in what's happening um
1: there'll be a reality show soon about that people are international with yeah lions i mean it's
0: awful yeah, i I read a thing that there are now more tigers in California than there are in the wild in private you know backyards and stuff oh god it's depressing but anyway Raw is a fascinating slice of uh, of mankind (laughs) I would say Um, but is maybe one to potentially watch for Halloween like because it's structured like a horror movie but isn't intended as one. um Yeah. Cool. Postmodern film. There you go. Um, That's it for this week. Um, If you'd like to write in, then please go to our website, filmfandango.com, and fill out the contact form there, and we'll get that. And also, we do all of this for free. So if you'd like to donate towards the podcast, then again, go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button. And everyone who has, thank you very
1: much. Thanks a lot. We'll
0: be back next week. Keep Keep watching watching the the films. films.